Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. So happy to have you back. Thank you so much for joining me on this ride. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We want to know which episodes have impacted you. We want to know all this stuff, how we can make this show better. We want to continue to add value into your lives. So thank you for joining me on this journey. Super pumped up for today's guest. He's got his own podcast called The Align Podcast, where he interviews some of the best people in the health health and wellness industry, some of the best health professionals, and some of the most interesting people that are doing some of the most innovative things. So his knowledge is really, really powerful, and I'm just grateful to have him on the show today to share this with you guys. His name is Aaron Alexander. We're going to get into some cool stuff. He's gone through some adversities of his own in his life, but he's also got some tools for you guys that you'll be able to apply in your life so that you can get through situations of adversity. So it's not always having to go through some of the you know, deaths and some of the extreme adversities, but it's also having the tools that can help you get through these things. So nutrition, movement, lifestyle, all this stuff are huge components in helping you, you know, be the best version that you can be and help you get through those tough times. So really excited to have him on. It was a great chat. We had a little bit of tech difficulties, but the episode went through and things, things went as planned. So Really excited, guys. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll get right into it. This episode is brought to you by Mike Young, the makeover master. If you feel your business image might be costing you money, influence, power, and respect, then head over to makeovermaster.com to discover what their complete brand makeover experience is all about. Go check it out right now, because everyone deserves to look their best. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest is the host of the Align Podcast, where he breaks down everything you need to know about functional movement, lifestyle, nutrition to achieve world-class results with guidance of world-renowned experts. He is also a rolfer and movement coach and has an online program called the Align Method to help transform your mobility, posture, and effective self-care. He's doing some awesome work. He's been killing it. He's got an amazing Instagram with lots of, uh, lots of videos and just interviewing amazing people. So he's doing incredible work. So I'm really excited to bring him on. Aaron Alexander, welcome to the show, brother. Yeah. So what would be relevant for listeners here, I think, because your people likely are interested in like probably more like the movement aspects. You know, so I came up from a place that like, I grew up in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is, you know, it's like Amish, notorious for like Amish country type area. I had somewhat of a rocky type home environment that kind of, it started getting especially rocky around like 14, 15 years old or so. And the story that I tell myself around that, that seems to, would make sense is because of, I had kind of like what felt to be maybe perhaps like an unsafe home environment that led into wanting to pack on muscle to kind of like protect my biological home. And, um, you know, so I just got really obsessed with bodybuilding to the point that I started almost like imbalancing myself to the point of injury. You know, so my, my joints started dislocating and I started getting like worse at sports and I was huge and I weighed like 230 pounds and I had a beard and I was like appearing well protected. 
but I just got started getting worse at life from all this like excess, excess muscle that I had. And then, um, got to the point where it was just pretty like traumatic injuries started manifesting themselves and it became evident that I needed to start thinking about like how to put the parts back together and think more about sustainability. You know, how do I want to be in my body for, you know, the next 20, 30, 50, hundred years. And that's been, I've had a pretty pivotal kind of shift from like just superficially building up to learning how to organize the parts, you know, kind of seeking more like harmony in the body. You know, and that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. And things have changed so much too, as far as like diet and like training methods. And I mean, how different has it been over the years? Cause I mean, I mean, I played hockey, ice hockey, and the way we used to train was so different than, you know, how they train today. And mm. so many things as far as injuries and just like unproportionate bodies and all that kind of stuff and how it's changed today to like more of what you're doing. How much have you seen that change in the last like 20 years? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, so I grew up playing ice hockey as well. That was like my sport from like oh, age nice, four man. to eight, 18 or so. I used to go up and play, play in Toronto, played up and go up to Canada each year to do this tournament. And um, yeah, I mean, the, I think the focus growing up and just previous focuses in general, like my experience aside, I think it was like, we kind of look at the body as being more like a, like a car, you know, we look at it as being more like this, just the, the mechanical aspect of it. You know, and I think that's something that we miss within that is just like, you need to look at the other side of the coin, which is like restoration, you know, how well do we heal, you know, and the, with the car, you know, you, you drive it, the wheels fall off and then you replace the part, but the body's way more systemic. It's way more connected, you know? And so for me training, you know, that was the focus was just like train harder, eat more, 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 more. You know, and I think that what I'm seeing happen as a consistent trend is people looking at things like meditation and people looking at things, you know, like just mindfulness and, and rest, you know, it's like so many people, it's not that they're overtrained, it's that they're, they're under rested is something that people say sometimes. And so I think that that's, that feels like something that's finally starting to get more attention. And then as well beyond that, I think it's also like looking into adaptability to a variety of sports. We become specialized in one specific niche. And then at some point that potentially leads to imbalance to the point that the parts kind of fall off. And that's what happened with me, you know? And so we see this with like young kids, you know, it's, it's a really, it's a slippery slope to start specializing somebody at a very young age. What you'll see is there'll be kind of like a curve where the long term, that person that specializes, they, in the beginning, they take off. And then the long term, they lose that overall kind of like global athleticism or adaptability because they didn't throw snowballs and they didn't play tennis and they didn't go swimming and they didn't, you know, do all these things to build that, that kind of like internal proprioceptive intelligence. You know, they just focused on this one pitch over and over again. And eventually things start to fall apart because our whole, the reason humans are where they are is, is our power of adaptability. I think the body really craves that, you know, so I think that those are kind of two things that I'm seeing change, which is cool. You know, people getting into things like seeing the value of something like dance or seeing the value of like yoga or Pilates and, you know, a wide variety of training modalities and the value of rest. Those are pretty valuable. Yeah, man. That's so true. Like uh, if I had the, if I had the meditation and all that stuff growing up playing hockey, like fuck, it would have been a completely different situation you know like i remember them talking about like visualization and i was like this is fucking stupid 
Like stupid. Yeah, I remember exactly. thinking it was like, what are we doing? But I see the value in it now. And I, I yeah, I was just kind of go, go, go. And if you stop, you know, if you're not throwing up after a practice, then you didn't work hard enough. And like, just this is crazy mentality, man. And yeah, there's a book called the shallows. That's pretty interesting. It gets into how our minds are kind of being hijacked in a sense by our environment all the time. You know, we form to fit our environment and presently the environment looks a lot more like continual stimulus in the form of like notifications and emails and, you know, a cell phone call or somebody knocking at your door, you know, it's like, well, someone knocking at your door, that would actually be more valuable for us, I think. But we continually have these little bells going off, you know, and there's not enough people knocking at our door. We just have people bells ringing in the background so we can stare into our cell phone. And what that ends up doing to the brain is it literally, it kind of restricts it from going into deeper, deeper aspects of itself, you know? So we end up kind of having this like chronic, like ADHD buzzy type superficial mental experience and having spaciousness to sit back and, and restore and reflect. And, you know, that's where all the real ideas come from. You know, that's where all the real inspiration comes from. If you're continually in that, that, that shallow space at best, you're going to be a cog in a wheel, you know, but if you can step back a little bit, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you know, you get some of that, those downloads people talk about. It's a really big deal to get out of that, that shallow aspect of your mind. Yeah, no, for sure. I, um, I did a little bit of digging, man. I listened to one of your episodes. I listened to a couple of your pot, your episodes. You got great stuff, but I went, I just want to see, I want to talk to you about your Neil Strauss episode. This one was really interesting because it kind of go, went into like childhood and beliefs and holding on yep. to beliefs. And if you wouldn't mind sharing, man, like you talked about your father a bit and I just found it really fascinating. And I appreciated you opening up about that just on like, it's kind of like your identity with your mom and your dad. And if you could maybe just elaborate on that, because that was gold. And I think people would get a lot of value from that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so I kind of already alluded to it in the beginning. That, like, and I'm not, I think something that's very easy to happen is that a person can become attached to their story. And especially if you're in my position, yeah. you know, where you're, or anybody's position, because it's a part of like weaving a tale, you know, so I'm in the process of finishing up a book. And so, you know, a part of that, is like having that vulnerable history and like, where did you come from and all that? And I think that we can start to almost like, instead of honestly, genuinely looking into our past, you know, restoring it and healing it and getting a relationship with it. I think sometimes it can act as like this almost like superficial story that we hang on to. Yeah. So I want to avoid that. But as a, that being said, you know, a story that I could potentially tell, you know, is that, when I was like 16 or so, my dad started getting into drugs and like crack cocaine and like prostitution, all sorts of stuff. Like he was like selling women and it just like, like it took a very interesting spin before that he was like president of the nature conservancy and like a stockbroker and like all the, the markers were checked. And then there was kind of like this pretty gnarly transition, you know, and within that, what we were talking about with, with Neil, that was really, I, you know, that Neil kind of, he's become a friend. He kind of like broke down, just interesting perspective that I hadn't really somehow it's like, so like freaking duh, like obvious, but somehow I, I had not like really seen that before. Like, you know, that was a pretty sincere experience of abandonment at a you know, young age, like kind of like crucial age, which led to, you know, what I, I think like a lot of like the bodybuilding and the superficial kind of markers of success, you know, like a real drive to protect. And within that, there's been a lot of, um, I think like, 
emotional protection over the years that led to kind of like, kind of just like, you know, a lot of loneliness, you know, like being able to go really, I can go like real deep, real quick with somebody. And then there's, there's, I've, I've found there's a certain point where it's like, oh, if it gets too real and too honest and like, okay, this could go, I could, you know, have a, usually with women, have a relationship with this person for like a long time. You know, this could be like a real thing. I have noticed over the last like nine years or so, kind of a tendency to like pull back out of fear, you know? And so now present day, that's what I'm like the most enamored by and most excited about, you know, is exploring those parts that kind of like make your palms sweaty, you know, putting yourself into a position where someone can be like, yeah, Aaron, I don't like you. Sorry. This <laughs> isn't working. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that was terrible. You know, as opposed yeah. to just not even putting yourself in that position. Yeah. This is the thing that I find fascinating is like, we don't want to hold on to that identity in our past, but we also want to learn from it. Right. And I'm the same way, you know, I, I'm a hockey player and then I was a bartender, I traveled all over the world, running bars, doing drugs, alcohol, everything. Right. And mm-hmm. I've had so many identities and it's like the identity can serve you in a way, but it also can't serve you. Cause if you're constantly going back to it over and over again, you're not even that person anymore, you know? And but you can also build on that because there's a lot of there's a lot of experiences that come out of those things, right? Yeah. It's like yeah, you I think get it, this sort of attack like you could take the good stuff and run with it, but you can leave the bad stuff. But do you, you know, find that traveling be, is good for that? Yeah. Do you find yeah, that that challenging though? That like take you know, kind of deciphering like what should I take from this and what should I because sometimes the gold is in the challenge and hmm. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, I think gold's always in challenge, but I think that something like, you know, I was just, I was just doing a, an interview with a woman that was just recently turned on to the, uh, do you know Ben Greenfield is? Oh yeah, so, man. He's, he's okay. awesome dude. Great. Yeah. So he turned me on to this woman. She's like, she's 70 years old and she's, her name's Anne Louise. She's like a big deal in the world of like nutrition and stuff. I, I didn't know anything about her before, but she's got like, you know, bunch of new york time bestsellers and she's written like 30 odd books and you know she's been in the health industry for like the last 40 years and she's now 70 and she was just at my house this morning and we were talking about reinventing herself and she's 70 years old and she's like reinventing herself and i'm like hell yeah like that is dope (laughs) you know like people uh, as you go into old age especially this is kind of not exactly a response to that that question per se but I mean, especially as you go into old age, the ability to, the belief system forms your biology. You know, if you think that it's over, then it's over. Yeah, totally. You know, if you think you're this thing in the past, then you are this thing in the past. You know, if you can start to learn how to get control of that filter that you perceive the world through, then you're literally hacking, in quotations, your, your biology. It's, it's like the ultimate biohack is figuring out your own fucking consciousness. You know, and so she's like talking about reinventing yourself. And I'm like, that's just so cool. I think you can do that all the time. I think that traveling, for example, is a really powerful tool for that because one, you can leave behind some of the perhaps friends or ideas, or I'm sure you've experienced this. If there's maybe something about your personality that you don't necessarily, it's maybe not like your best part. Sometimes if you change that, or maybe you want to dress differently, or maybe you want to fill in the blank thing. You just want to change your identity somehow or the way people perceive that. There will be almost like a little bit of like conflict, a little bit of rub almost because people know you a certain way. 
And so for you to shift into some other form, even if it's like a higher version of yourself, you know, more actualized version of yourself, you'll notice like a rub from the community oftentimes, you know, because like, oh, but you're not, it's not you. Oh, well, look at you. You're wearing flamingo pants or whatever. It's like, whoa, hey, Mr. Fancy. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I like flamingo. I don't even know flamingo pants are, but it's just something, you know, you're changing your identity a bit. People will, but if you wear those, those fancy pants and you move to, LA or whatever people they don't know the difference because it's just you yeah it's a valuable thing to kind of give yourself that space actually change environments with that yeah because people get attached to your identity too and it's Uh crazy man because like just for example like you know I was bartender again like I was living in Australia five years you know drinking partying and then I quit drinking for the whole year and ran a bar sober and then you know now I've actually quit again just to test it out, I drank again in 2018 and now I've been off it. And it's just to see the way people treat you and the way you get this identity as like, oh, the party guy, the fun, stupid guy, always doing stupid shit guy. And then all of a sudden you're not that guy and you're like, you show up differently and, you know, maybe, you know, you're, you're more, you're more inspiring, more positive. And the people, some people get like a reaction of that because they see you growing and they know as you as this person below them almost. And it triggers things in certain people. It's yeah, so you have to be willing to to go through. I've just described it as like a purgatory phase with relationships. I think, yeah, you know, because you're with you've you've formed yourself into a certain friend group. Like some people have closer, they're more enmeshed to use like similar words that like Neil, Neil Strauss in that conversation used. You know, you're kind of like emotionally dependent on people, and you and you literally like become. The people, you know, you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with, like a Jim Rohn quote, I think, you know, and so you start to become, you identify with those, those people, you start dressing similarly, maybe get similar haircuts and, you know, you really become a part of that like organism, you know, and so if you want to leave that organism and go to another organism that relates more to your like higher interests, you know, or whatever your future projection, whatever the freak you want to do there's going to be a conflict, <laughs> you know, like you, like you'll have to leave that shell, you know, and some people, I think it's, it's, it's hard, you know, people can be offended because like, wow, you like, we used to hang out all the time and now you don't want to hang out anymore. It's like, well, <laughs> like you're thinking about different shit, yeah. you know, like the direction that you're going, the boat that you're on is in a clearly different direction than the one that I'm on. You know, every time we get together, we kind of like anchor beside each other. We're like, okay, we get both get pulled into each other's path. I think it's, it's really important to be willing to have that alone space, you know, because the time between changing shells, you're very likely going to be really lonely, you know, and I think that that's, it doesn't need to be that way per se, but I think it's okay if it is, you know, and that's something that we try to avoid usually. Yeah, absolutely. And actually takes me to some, another question that's kind of, I heard you talking about, and this is the reason I'm asking this is because this has been popping up and I've been hearing about it a lot is the, I think I say it right. The Vipassana. Is that how you say it? The Vipassana. Vipassana. Sorry. Vipassana. Yeah. So a a buddy of mine, he he was traveling the world. He's actually trying to set a record for the most countries traveled in a certain period of time. And he just got back and he's just. Why is he doing that? I don't know. He's, he's just been on like a crazy journey, man. And uh, he's just, just, and he's been to so many countries and, I don't Do you know. Think he's fulfilling some of the, like the same egoic, superficial markers like we were talking about before. Oh, I don't know. He's been. I'm not sure. You know, he's 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 just he's been traveling, and uh, you know, he came back, and we've been talking, and we started to work together a bit, and 
he was telling me about this this meditation that what is it like a 10 day 10 day silence right yeah there's different varieties of it so they call it noble silence so you can't look at anybody or or have any contact with anybody and, and nor can you like write anything or like your sole duty is to sit and, and meditate essentially all day and then in between you like take walks and stuff so Tell me about your experience with that. How was that? And how has that impacted you? Because I mean, that could be super powerful for people as well, for transformation or just kind of getting, just being quiet for a while. Like, how did it help you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a trip. You know, it's like another trip. You know, there's different versions of trips. You can travel to Morocco or you can travel, you know, live with another culture for a while and experience things through the different lens. You know, Joe Campbell talks about like you grow up in the ordinary world you know and you just assume that you know little for me like amish country i didn't really grow up on i grew up in like the outskirts i grew up more like suburbia you know but whatever my suburbia and the outskirts of amish country i can see that as being the whole world you know and anything else would be crazy insane weird you know and this is normal but the reality is everybody's weird you know like no matter how normal you think you are you're just confused like you're very weird and if you think you're normal, you just have a, a, a fairly small perspective on what it, you know, what earth actually entails, you know, or, you know, the whole thing. And so I, uh, the Vipassana, I think was just like a trip in the sense of like getting away from what is normal of like updating your social media profile and, you know, just always having contact, always having that reaching out, you know, that's like each day there's so much reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. You know, and so to have a whole over a week to just do nothing but kind of cut those tendrils and kind of, you know, reach in. It's really cool, man. It's one of the one of the rad I mean it's it's unbelievable that it exists. It's donation based. You know, yeah. they're not asking for anything. You know, you can donate, you know, whatever you want. You can donate a lot if you want, but like you can donate zero and they'd be like, it's, it's fine, hopefully it'd be a good experience and you tell your friends. You know, it's unbelievable that it exists. Yeah. Cause I had a buddy who tried to do it and like he had to tap out a day four or something. He said it was just like, he was losing his mind. Like, yeah, it's... people, people usually drop out day <laughs> two, I think day two, four and six. It's fucking crazy though. When you think about no, it, maybe it's just two and six. Yeah. Two and six. I'm pretty sure is the most popular days to drop out. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I've been, it's, it, you know, these are the signs I've been hearing about this more and more and I just, it's been popping in and you know, mindfulness and just meditation has been a huge thing in my life. And I just, just slowing down, you know, like not just starting your day as well. Like, I mean, not having, keeping your, even your phone on airplane mode until you just get your shit together before you start your day, you know, like how do you start your day? Like what's your, what's your programming to have like a decent day, like a, like to set yourself up? What do you do? Yeah, I usually put music on to start yeah. things and kind of try to like wiggle my hips a little bit. A big thing for me, and I think for anybody should be, is is get your body exposed to the sun as soon as you can. You know, it sets your circadian rhythm and, you know, you produce a good percentage of the, the feel-good neurotransmitters through literally sun going into your eyes slash all of your skin as well. But it, it literally, that sun exposure is, from a physiological perspective, is kind of like, telling your body that you're up and it's time to release the whole cascade of hormones to, you know, to, to go and carpe, carpe the diem. Um, so I'll go, so get up, usually throw in some music and usually go outside. I'll like actually look at the sun if it's early enough. 
and kind of like arms up overhead. I'll hang off a tree branch and kind of just twist and, you know, all that. And then I'll do salt water, which is something that might be relevant because it might be a little bit different. So I'll do like salt. If I have lemons around, that happened for, for a little bit, but I think salt and lemon is a really great decision. It actually helps with the assimilation of the water. And then, you know, lemons, it's like alkaline and, you know, vitamin C and it's just, it's just good for you. You know, so I'll do that. And then I've been recently and I've been really liking it. I'll put like a podcast on and go for a little run. And yeah. then I'll come back and do like a short meditation, like 10, 10, 15 minute, minute meditation. But that's not a hundred percent. Like this is, that's like, that's like me doing really well. Sometimes, mm. you know, it's not nearly as immaculate as that. I think sometimes we get, and then you can be hard on yourself because like, oh my God, I didn't have the perfect, whatever. And you yeah. hear podcasts of people, frankly, lying, you know, saying like, this is what I do every, it's like, no bitch. Like I've stayed at your house. I know you didn't, I know you don't do that. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that say that they do things all the time, or maybe that they didn't even mean it that way. We just take it as though, okay, cool. I have to do that thing because whoever does that, I think it's also good to be flexible. You know, sometimes you grow up in a different environment and, you know, I stayed at my buddy's house in, in Austin over the weekend and, you know, like his kids are around. So it's like, okay, well, this is way different. I don't have kids around. And so the morning routine there was like, play with the kids and let them like climb all over you. And, you know, like that was cool. It's like a form of movement. Yeah, so I think that that's kind of what I do. And I think being flexible is really valuable. Yeah, people can beat themselves up. I mean, it defeats the whole purpose. I mean, like it's, yeah. if you can, you know, have started off, get whatever you can done. I mean, whatever, and just start fresh tomorrow. I mean, it's, there's no point in getting hard on yourself about it because that defeats everything that you're trying to work for. And, yeah, that's right. But I mean, like, well, or they could have like a deep freezer. They could have that as, a, as an ice bath too, right? They wanted mm-hmm. to do that yeah. on there. <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those. I don't do it in the morning though. That's what I saw, man. That's that's awesome, bro. Like, how how good? Like, I'm because I I do the cold showers, but how how different is hopping in like an ice bath like that as opposed to the cold shower? In differences, how you feel? Well, from a nervous system perspective, a lot of the similar things are happening. It's just cold shower depending where you're at where you're at you have a proper cold shower in la i don't really have like a a super cold cold shower it's like as cold as the ocean which isn't that cold you know but it's way different in the sense that it's you're forced it's like a forced mindfulness practice whereas the cold shower you're kind of dancing around wiggling and all that whereas when you're in the freezer the only thing you can really do is just breathe you know, and the more that you can slow your breath down, the calmer you become and the easier it becomes, you know, so it's, it's really a powerful tool in the sense that it, it, it forces you to get hold of your breath and forces you to get hold. If you're in doing that, start to gain some semblance of, of control of your autonomic nervous system function, you know, so in that situation, everything's saying, okay, panic, freak out you know, but you can, right now we're training, you know, it's a hermetic stressor, you know, it's like lifting weights essentially for your, you know, your vagus nerve and your whole nervous system. And then you can practice that slow, deep breathing, emphasize that breath out. You'll find the breath out is harder because the breath out is more of a parasympathetic response. And so when you're breathing out, you'll find when you're really, really cold, if you ever do like jump in an icy lake or something, you'll find that to breathe out all the way is a real pain in the ass. You can breathe in really easily, but that, all the way out you're literally it's like you're winding up your that parasympathetic parasympathetic side of your nervous system so it's a great practice 
you know, as you start to do that, you'll literally start to, to um, change the, the tonicity of the vagus nerve, for example, but you know, all of them. So yeah. Wim Hof method. Hey, you had him on your show. That guy's, that guy's crazy, man. It's amazing. Like yeah, it's special. Just that's been such a huge change in so many people's lives. It's like just it's to change your physiology like that. And, and just to see what he's been able to do is just amazing, man. Like yeah, he, must have, he must have been an interesting dude to chat with. Yeah. Yeah. I like him. I mean, we've had a lot of chats outside of like recorded conversations too. And yeah, being around him, he's, he's, he's an interesting fella, but I mean, he goes through shit just like anybody else course yeah. yeah i think that's something that's like a misconception of it's a really easy misconception and i'm very grateful that over the last you know four years of doing my podcast and you know getting to connect with most of the people that i've at one point found to be like oh man like you know look up to hero whatever type thing i've, I've got to have contact with and got to really like be with them and within that i think the biggest learning experience has been that like, oh, they're just dealing with all the same shit. Every person that we look up to, because we see these little glimpses of images of them and we perceive them as being like, oh, this like, wow, like perfect, immaculate, holy, blessed life. But then meanwhile, maybe they go through extreme depression. You know, maybe their elbow doesn't work right. Maybe their hip doesn't work right. Maybe they have all these past surgeries that they don't really talk about. You know, there's everybody's just going through their shit. Yeah. And that's what happens is people get idolized. We're all just human beings, man. We're all just trying to figure it out. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, some people have it a little bit more figured out and some people look like they do. And it's, um, it's a crazy journey, man. And just, yeah, it's, and, and with the podcasting, you just get, to, I love it because you can connect with people and just have these conversations and then, you know, learn that people are so similar, you know, so mm. like, there's so many similarities of, about things and people are just trying to figure it out and you can learn from people just by conversation. You take, there's so many takeaways that you can get, you know, and I just, yeah. I, it's, it's amazing, man, how, how it all works. Yeah, you see them with traveling. If you go to a different place, they're all, um, it's, you'll see the same dorky nerdy kid and the, the hot chick and the jock guy and the, you know, into weird esoteric, you know, whatever emo kid. And like, you'll see all of that. It's all, you'll see all the same clicks of people. You know, if you're in a Muslim culture or in a, a preppy, you know, Santa Barbara culture or whatever, like you'll see the same shit. You know, the, go anywhere on the world and just start like watching those, those patterns in humanity. And it's like, oh, wow, okay, cool. Yeah. There's like, we, yeah, we have a lot more in common than we do different for sure. Yeah. What do you, so let's, I just want to talk about nutrition a bit, man, diet a little yep. bit. Cause obviously, you know, that's, a, that's a big passion of mine. It's obviously a big passion of yours as well. Like what, uh, so there's been, this is, I just, this is just random because I've tried it lately. I just wanted to see what you thought. What are your thoughts on the carnivore diet? I think that it's more the value of it. I'm not an expert with anything in relation to nutrition. Like, yeah, I don't feel expert in that at all. Technically, like I've been studying it for a while, but I by no means would claim any like card of expertise around it. It's just like hobby. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think it's, it's more a product of what you're taking out of your diet totally. is the value in, in the carnivore diet. You know, so a lot of people might have 
low level allergies to fill in the blank thing, whatever the, the thing may be. And then you take everything out of your diet and you're like, wow, this is amazing. I feel really great. I don't think it's very sustainable. You know, fasting, like you can like the longest fast is like 385 days or something like that. It was in that, it's within like 10 days of that in that ballpark. You know, like your body can fast a long time. Granted, that guy was like, you know, almost 400 pounds, you know, but the body, it knows how to function when you take stuff out. Like it, it can do that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, so I think that it's more about that. It's more, and from my perspective, I think it's more of what you're taking out. I don't, but I don't, I don't perceive it. My experience with people that I know personally that have gone through it, I don't see it being a sustainable approach. Um, and, you know, I think there's also something to like the placebo aspect of any diet. Mm. You know, you'll see pretty consistently across the board, you can put somebody on almost any diet and they'll get results, you know, but with time, it's the sustainability part that's not so, it's not always there, you know, but I think there's a lot of things that happen. Like think how much intention you're putting into yourself. If you make the decision to cut everything out and just eat freaking whale blubber or whatever, like you, if that's yeah, like, you're like, yeah, I'm really changing my <laughs> life up here. Like you're really putting some freaking intention into this whole thing. Yeah. That I think that's a, a huge, huge effect. Yeah. You know, I think that in conversations like that, it's like when you look at little vegetarians and vegans, you know, it's like, well, think how much intention a vegan is putting into their diet, you know? And then meanwhile, eventually with time, you'll start to see some, some pretty stark like voids in the, in, in the people's health oftentimes if they're not doing it, going it correctly. But I think that intention piece is huge. You change your diet anyway, it's an indication that you care. You know, I think that, that change, that's a big, big impact. Yeah. Well, Rob Wolf talks about it too. He's like, you don't, it doesn't have to be such a dogmatic approach like vegans or carnivores. It's like, everybody's different, right? But why I bring this up is because it has a huge, for people to overcome things in their lives, like your diet is important. There's no question, right? I mean, you got to be put the right things in your body. And I tried it. I did the carnivore for a couple of weeks because I wanted to just see, I mean, I know that's not even long enough to really gauge it, but honestly, just from doing that, it felt, it felt odd. I had a guilty feeling putting that much meat in my body. Like I felt, I felt fine. I felt great. Like I love ribeye. I love eggs, but there was just something that didn't feel right. Maybe it's because of conditioning, thinking, hearing meat's bad for you for so many years. Obviously I know grass fed. The, the, the meat that you're eating. Well, yeah, I only eat grass fed organic or whatever best I can get quality wise. Right. But yeah, it's just that feeling of having that much meat just didn't seem, didn't sit right. And like you said, you're putting so much attention on that. It's like, does it, it doesn't need to be like that. It's, un, it's unnatural almost to force yourself just to eat that, right? So that becomes yeah, almost like other. Out. You just got to figure out balance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like all <laughs> these, the all these, all these things, they're, you know, for the most part, they're like temporary fads that pass. Yeah. You know, but the people that I'm the most interested in are the people that have been doing the damn thing for 40 years and they're still, they still look great, you know, or not even 40 years, 10 years, you know, like, but some amount of time, because there's a lot of people that do stuff for a short amount of time, you know, they like slam a bunch of steroids or what, whatnot. And then they're like, whoa, that person's awesome. Holy crap. Like that was impressive, you know, yeah. but then check them out in five years, you know, see how they're doing. 
And I think that within that, it's like just figuring out what's sustainable, you know, for you, I think is a really big deal. Like we have way more, there's a book called biochemical individuality that gets into all of the biochemical individuality of people. Each person's, you know, we're a, we're a snowflake, (laughs) you know? So I think finding like what brings you joy, like more Joe Campbell references, like follow your bliss. That's the most important thing. If you're enjoying what you're doing and you're not hurting anybody, then it's probably sustainable. But if you're martyring yourself in the name of like health or anything, um, it might work for a while, but it's not going to, you're not going to be able to keep it going. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, who doesn't like to have a salad? Who doesn't like to have variety, right? I mean, it's diet is funny because it, it that kind of reflects other areas in your life too. Like there, it's good to have variety, you know, like it's, but why I brought that up is just like, it's just such a diet is so it's such a funny thing and people it's like almost like a religion you know like well a big component of diet is i i feel it's it's self-worth you know so if you believe that you're worth grass-fed whatever or organic vegetables or you know like the the good stuff then you'll probably get the good stuff but if you don't feel like you're worth that then you'll get something that fits like you're, you have like the thermostat, you know, of where of, of what you deserve. And, you know, I, I feel that way. Like I think most people probably could relate to that where it's like, if you start to go down a cycle where things are kind of, you, you already ate the cookies or you, whatever you had a rough day or what have you, it's like, it's way easier to just keep on cycling, cycling down into that. And you get sucked in, okay, well now screw it all. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I think there's a huge, but I think, I mean, I know there's a huge psychological component to eating, you know, and we get wrapped up in the details of specifically what's going in your face. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a whole huge conversation before that, that leads you to like, what's the point of even, and what, what drives you to, to purchasing that specific food in the first place? You know, why are you attracted to that in the first place? And then I think that you can force yourself by going into doing like a retreat or something like that, or a Vipassana or, you know, whatever it may be that it forces a different approach on you, which will change your psychology. But I think it's always tied together. You know, it's inseparable. Yeah, no, for sure. So talk about a line method, man. I want to hear about how you're like, what does your program look like and why do people need like Rolfer people that don't not understand what Rolfer is and just movement in general. So Align Method focuses on unwinding the patterns of staring into technology. You know, so forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, like hunched over, kind of hunchback spine thing, you know, collapsed arches and disengaged glutes, like essentially like the patterns of modernity. They're consistent throughout most people. It focuses on unwinding that and then gets into movement practices specific around reintegrating the parts of the body. So as opposed to just thinking always like breakdown, breakdown, it's also how do we put it back together? And then I'm happen to be more enamored with kind of more like, I don't know how you describe the type of movement stuff that I'm into, but kind of just like dynamic type exploratory movement, you know, so kind of integrating different worlds, you know, worlds of yoga or dance or weightlifting or, different forms of movement, kind of putting them, putting them together into something that I, you know, I put it in my, I just call them my movement flows. You know, so I, I kind of break some of that down there as well. So who inspired you for this, this type of, like, was that always, or did that kind of yeah. evolve? Because there was, 
what's you know who I noticed something that I saw similarities is that with you guys maybe it's different maybe I don't know is Ido Portal is that did you follow him for a while as well like, um, yeah something? for sure I'm super familiar with Ido's stuff oh yeah Ido, I mean Ido's butchered his name no worries no worries yeah I mean he's he's certainly one of the people I think he's awesome as far as I mean him as a as a person I think that that his what he's done in the realm of exploring movement from a different perspective I think is really important where Ido and I would be different is that I'm really interested in, in speaking to people that are, and I don't want to like speak, speak for him, but the idea of Ido is usually a bit more, or at least what's, what's presented to most common folks is more like complex, challenging type movements. And what I'm more interested in teaching people is like how to sit at your house or at your office or while you're traveling or how to breathe in an effective way, you know, to actually start to downregulate your nervous system and start to heal your body. And, you know, how do we inhabit ourselves on a momentary basis is what I'm really interested in helping people get excited about, you know, so the things that I'm, I mean, and frankly, Ido's just, he's a more advanced mover than I am. You know, the shit that he does is like, he's a capuista. He's like really good capoeira guy. And so some of the crap they does is just like, I'm like, you know, respect, like nothing but respect. Um, so for me, I'm like, well, I do like manual therapy and, you know, I help people feel better in their body. So I focus more on like simpler movements is where I'm coming from. Right. And do you combine that with like chiropractor work? Because I know with chiropractic, you got to constantly be going and different adjustments, but that with yeah. some, your style of aligned method would probably eliminate having to go to chiropractor as much. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. And I think chiropractic, from my perspective, chiropractic is really valuable in acute situations. Mm. You know, so you got a car accident, something got like whacked out of place. I think chiropractic is like, yeah, like you got a rib out, something like that, where you need a high velocity adjustment. You know, it's really helpful to get, and there's other approaches as well. But I think in those situations, chiropractic is awesome. As far as like long-term chronic movement patterns, structural patterns that are more deeply ingrained through all of the connective tissue in your body, then I think slower approaches have, I don't want to say more value, but I'm, I've, I've found them to be more impactful in my own, my own experience, you know, be, so working with someone that works with connective tissue, you know, and it's kind of has a, they can lay an elbow into your low back and you can breathe into that space and, you know, start to get some mobility through the hips in a slower way. I find it allows your own nervous system to keep up with that change so that you can actually create the change yourself as opposed to having someone else's will, you know, being imposed upon your body. Like, there you go. You're back. Yeah. Totally. I think there's a way that you can communicate to the body, just like any conversation. Yeah. There's a way that you can communicate to the body in such a way that the body actually makes the decision to make the change. And that's, that's what I'm the most enamored by. Yeah. I love the full, the full body spectrum, you know, like the movement and body weight, but heavy weight as well. And in yoga and in some form, like maybe martial art. I love that total, that full rounded thing. And I find for me, it's challenging to get into yoga. I find it really fucking hard. That's why I know I need to do it more, you know, like, yeah, yeah. That's the way it goes. The things that <laughs> you pretty much know that if something's challenging for you, it's probably exactly what you need to be doing. 
you know, it's just, that's just the way it works because if it's challenging for you, it means that you have a deficit there. If you have yeah. a deficit there, you know, it's going to suck and you're going to have to like build through that. It's pretty darn paradoxical in a way, you know, you can almost in a sense, I think you can just, if something makes you uncomfortable, it's, it's probably some indicator that you need to do more of it. Yeah. It's, it isn't that the truth, man. Like I did a yoga retreat in Mexico a few weeks ago or a couple, sorry, not was it like two months ago? And we went, I did like the Kundalini, like the old school yoga, man. That was really challenging. It wasn't what I've done at like, you know, Equinox gym or something like that yoga. It was two different ones, you know, and I was really, it was really challenging. It was, yeah. you know, the poses that you hold were, were so much longer. It was like, it, it, uh, man, I was, it was really, really tough, but like so humbling. Cause you think you're strong. You think you can do a bunch of sit-ups or pull-ups and then you, you know, you can't even hold your body like in one spot. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a different kind of strength. Keep doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the move. Yeah, yeah man. Awesome. So where can we find you, man? Because I really, I, I would love to share with my, my, the listeners and the audience where we can find you. You got some awesome stuff and I know you got a lot of value to give. So where's the best place to find you? Um, I mean, realistically, people probably just go to Instagram. Yeah. Um, so Align Podcast is, is that. And then if people are interested in the movement related stuff, there's like super simple, like five video breakdown of, of what I conceive to be like the fundamentals of what, what folks should have in their daily practice and all that stuff. at alignpodcast.com. But align, if you just type align podcast into the internet, so it'll, you know, it'll, it'll pop up. Yeah. It's a great podcast, man. You've done a really awesome job with that. Thanks brother. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, I, I just appreciate people doing awesome work and, and just giving value. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? So yeah, no, I, everybody make sure you check him out. He's got, he's got an awesome Instagram, lots of good videos and just like, just inspiring stuff. So definitely, definitely worth your while. Now, I just always ask somebody this as the one question I always ask, what is the one thing that in your life that you could offer for people, whether it be challenges they're going through or whatever it is in their life to overcome adversity, to go on to achieve, you know, success in their life, how, whatever way they decide, what would be that one thing that you could think of that could help somebody that you could uh, give today? Hmm. Uh, the thing that I was kind of made sense a few days ago in, in like a strong way was just make your life be an act of service. You know, so if you're continually in service of something, you know, someone, some, you know, like when you come into a room, how can you make that room better? You know, when you come into your own house, how can you make your own house better? When you, you know, are in your own body, how can you make your own body better? You know, as you, if you like move through the world in that way, then you'll be successful, period. You know, if that's, it's like every time you walk into a room, how can I help these people in this room? How can I make this room better? If that's your approach, you're good. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Make it add value to people. Yeah. Make people feel better than they did before. Right. Leave the room better than when you, when you found it. I love that, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's All right, you guys make sure you check out Aaron Alexandra, the Align podcast. It's, it's awesome. And make sure you follow him on Instagram. Thanks so much, brother. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out. This was a great conversation. I, you know, could talk to you for longer, but I want to respect your time. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right, man. Have an awesome day. All right. See you, bud.
Hey fam, hope you enjoyed that. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. How did this impact you? And are you going to take this into your life and apply it to some of the, the lessons? Super important that you got value. So let us know. And uh, so grateful that you joined me on this journey. So let's, uh, let's work together at helping this get into as many lives as possible. I appreciate all of you. We'll catch you next time. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.